Many men will wear the same old comfortable shirt until it's threadbare. How many women will give me an amen on that? I mean, you know, our philosophy is if you've got a shirt and if it'll last five days a week, wear it five days a week. Glory to God. That's what I bought it for, to wear it. I'll change on Saturday and Sunday. Now, women, it's totally different. They change. They have a morning outfit, an afternoon outfit, and an evening outfit. In fact, it depends on where they go, and they might have a morning outfit, two afternoon outfits, and an evening outfit. But men, we'll just wear that. We find a shirt we like. We find a pair of pants we like. We find a pair of shoes we like. And we're going to hang with them. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They feel good. We got them just broke in. Let's go with it. We're creatures of habit. We do the same old, same old. We drive the same way to work every day. Think about it. You complain about it every day, but you keep going the same way. We will eat the same restaurant. Every time we go out to eat, we're creatures of habit. Same old, same old. And we'll order the same meal at the same restaurant every time we eat. Casey used to, when she was at university, she got a job hosting at Cracker Barrel. And she said we had people come in that would eat there morning for lunch, noon, and dinner. Every day, seven days a week. Lunch, noon, and dinner at Cracker Barrel. And they wanted to sit in the same booth or same table. Lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Every day. And they'd order the same thing. Well, I know the feeling. I go to Dairy Queen and it's a Butterfinger Blizzard. In fact, when they see me turn, turn in, they just, I don't even have a, I, it's a really a drive-thru. They know me so well, it's a drive-thru. I never stop. I just stick my hand out, and they stick it through, and I just grab it, and I punch it in my, my app right when I go through. They know we're creatures of habit. You go to a restaurant, your favorite restaurant, you'll eat there every time, you'll eat the same thing. We come to church. We sit in the same section, in the same seat. And dare anybody to get our place. <laughs> it's not just adults, it's children too. You say, what do you mean? Well, your kids will watch the same movie over and over and over and over and over. Casey used to watch, I'll pick on her this morning, she's, she's here today. Casey used to watch uh, E.T. when E.T. And she'd come in there crying every time. Come in. What's wrong? E.T. went home. I said, he just went home an hour and a half ago. <laughs> but she'd watch it over and over and over. We follow the same daily routine. We are creatures of habit. That's just what we are. That's what we are. And we find a comfortable rhythm. And we don't want to change. You know why? Because change requires change. Change requires learning new. Change requires trying new. Change requires risking new. Change requires discomfort. So we often settle for the same when something new can make things better. So I want to challenge you to do something new in 2019. And I challenged you last week to allow the Holy Spirit to do something new in you in 2019. 
You tired of the same old stuff you've been dealing with? Let the Holy Spirit change you on the inside. You're tired of being bound by the same old thing? Invite the Holy Spirit in to change you. You don't have to live that way because He's a God of new. And He wants to do new in you. We learned this last week. We can grow bigger and we can grow better and we can gain more on the outside. But if we don't grow and develop on our inside, our accomplishments and advancements will never fully satisfy. And King Solomon taught us that in Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23. The wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What determines the course of my life? My heart, the inside. Not my education. Education's wonderful. Not my family genealogy. Family genealogies can be wonderful. It's not my company I work for. Companies you work for can be great. But that's, that doesn't determine the course of your life. It's what's in your heart that determines the course of your life. So he says to guard it. So Lord, do something new in us. Then we unpack this verse. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We unpack this. Now to him who is able to do, to do, to do, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And we learned last week that God is often limited. He's limited. God's limited. He's sovereign. He can do anything He wants to. No, He can't. God is limited in what He can do for us because of our lack of surrender to Him inside, on the inside of us. He is limited what He can do for us on the outside. He is limited in what He can do for us because of our lack of surrender to Him in us. Let me repeat that. He is limited, God is limited, in what He can do for us because of our lack of surrender to His Lordship in us. You say, I don't believe that. He's sovereign. He can do anything he wants to. All right. Look at Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Turn over to Mark chapter 6, verse number 1. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Verse 5, notice this, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't. Notice everybody, he couldn't. It doesn't say he wouldn't. It says he couldn't. He couldn't. He wanted to, but he couldn't. He, Jesus, the Son of God, the God-man, couldn't. He couldn't do any miracles among them except place his hands on a few sick people and heal them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village, teaching the people. Remember the verse we just unpacked, Ephesians 3? And God is able to do, he's able to do, exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. And we always quote the first part of that verse. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think. And we stop right there. But it's according to, in relation to, 
or in proportion to the power that works in us. You've got to finish it because there's a condition. And here we see that they did not surrender to his lordship, and he couldn't. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. He was limited because they wasn't growing on the inside. Jesus couldn't do what he desired to do for the people because of their lack of surrender to his lordship. But understand, he didn't just give up on them. Notice what happens. Notice what happened. Look at verse 5 and 6 again. Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief, and he gave up on them. No. It's not what it says. Notice, this Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. What did he do? He, got to grow, he, he wanted to grow them up on the inside. He began teaching so that they would develop, so that they would grow spiritually. Listen, if you and I are not receiving everything God wants us to have coming to us from the outside, then you and I, first place we need to look is on the inside. Because He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ever ask or think for us according to the power that works in us. So the key is not to look outward and say, what's the problem? The key is first to look inward and say, where do I need to grow? What do I need to do? So I challenge all of us to expect God to do something new in us. And this morning for the next 15 minutes... I want to challenge us to ask God in 2019 to do something new through us. We want God to do something for us all the time. And to get Him to do something for us, He's got to do something in us. But before we leave January, I want to challenge you to ask the Lord to do something new through you. Not just for you. Not just in you but through you. You say, why is that? Because, number one, God needs you. God needs us. He needs us. He needs you. Why does He need to do something through me? Because He needs you. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. How many brought your Bibles? In some form or the other. Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9 says this, For we are God's fellow workers. Notice it doesn't say we're God's employees. It doesn't say we're God's slaves. It says we're God's fellow workers. One, one translation, I think it's the King James, says we are laborers together with God. We are God's fellow workers you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and other builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He says, now listen guys. He says, God needs you. You are laborers together with God. You say, he needs me. He don't need me. Yes, he does. He needs you. After everything I've done, yeah, he still needs you. After how I've acted, yeah, he still needs you. After the way I've lived, yes, he still needs you. After the way I've messed up, yes, he still needs you. After the way I failed, oh, yes, 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 yes. In fact, he needs you even more. He needs you. 
Over the years, I've had the wonderful privilege of working with a lot of churches in, in, uh, in leadership roles. And in fact, right now, I'm working for, with two churches who are trying to get over the hump and break through and find pastoral leadership. And I'm working with two churches. And, and over the years, as I've worked with churches and we get them through and they start doing well, uh, we'll always have a time of a meal together, of celebration afterwards. And, and uh, I'll sit down with them and I'll say, I just, and I'll, I'll talk to them individually. I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for your sacrifice. I want to thank you for your prayer. Look, look how well the church is doing now because of what you accomplished and because of what you gave. And, and every one of them, undoubtedly, they'll always say something like this. Well, I appreciate that, but it, it's all because of the Lord. It's all because of the Lord. It, the Lord, I didn't do anything. The Lord did it all. And I understand they're saying right, but then I'll always say this. Yeah, but you need to understand, I saw it when the Lord had it by himself. And it wasn't too good. It wasn't a got here without you because we are laborers together with God. There's no church built by God alone. In fact, 99.99% of you today didn't come to Jesus without somebody, some laborer with God, coming and helping you find Him. You know, uh, there's a story in Acts chapter 10. You know, Cornelius, he's praying. He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He's not a believer. But he has a hunger for God. And he won't, he's wanting to find God. And the Bible says as he's praying, an angel comes down and tells him, Send men to Joppa a neighboring city. And there you'll find a man by the name of Peter. Have him come, and he'll tell you words to get saved, whereby you can get saved. Now think about that. The angel tells Cornelius to go get a man to tell him to come and tell him how to get saved. Now think about it. Think about the logistics. The angel says, the angel says, Brian, you want to get saved? You've been praying? In fact, the angel said, your prayers and your alms have come up before a memorial to God. So he'd been praying. God heard his prayers. God saw his giving. And he sent, Brian, your prayers and Brian, your prayer, Brian, it's not your alms. I don't know if you give anything. Your prayers have come up before God. Send men to Murfreesboro and fetch one Devon who will come and tell you how to get saved. Now the question is, why didn't the angel, why didn't he just skip a step? Why didn't the angel just say, hey, let me tell you how to get saved? Because angels don't tell people how to get saved. They're not laborers. We are laborers with God. Angels are our messengers. All right. The Bible says in, in the book of Hebrews, Are they not angels, ministering spirits, sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation? We are the heirs of salvation. Angels work for us. They work for us. And the angel came down. Now, let me ask you this question. Did, has anybody, has anybody in this room ever, did you get saved? Let me put it this way. Has anybody in this room, did you ever get saved? Anybody here 
because an angel appeared to you and told you the plan of salvation. Now, I'm not talking about a beautiful woman. I'm talking about a real angel. That's what happened to me. But I'm talking about a, I'm talking about a real angel. Has anybody in here ever get saved because a real angel appeared to them? No. No. We are, mess- we are fellow laborers with God. If I had the time this morning, we could go around this room and... That's all right. That's all right. Was somebody wanting to give in the offering? If they want to give in the offering, go ahead and answer it. Uh, if we had time, if we had time to go around in this room this morning to hear the stories how God was working with some friend of yours, some brother of yours, some sister of yours, some parent, some Sunday school teacher, some preacher, somebody at work, that God used them to tell you the story of Jesus, to lead you to Jesus Christ. We are laborers together with God. You have been given an assignment to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. We are laborers together with God. God needs you. He needs you. So this year, ask the Lord to do something through you. Why? Because He needs you. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on Him... How can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone? God needs you. Unless someone tells them. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Every one of those flags on the back wall, those are the missionaries who are going telling people who we will never see. But guess what we are? We are the senders. They can't go unless they're sent. And the people can't believe unless they hear. God does His part. He saves. He saves everybody. But nobody gets saved alone. They always are brought to Jesus by some fellow laborer. God needs you. And in 2019, he has somebody that's going to intersect your path that you're going to be given an opportunity to share Jesus with. After the first service, a lady came up to me this morning and said, Pastor, would you pray with me? The Lord has spoke to me as you preached. I have a sister-in-law in Hawaii. She's given up. She's not going to take dialysis. She's ready. She's just given up, depressed, ready to die. And she doesn't know Jesus. And she says, I know now I'm supposed to call her today and share Jesus with her before she crosses over. Somebody is going to come into your life this year. Listen to this. Somebody's going to come into your life in 2019 that God has been setting the stage, maybe possibly for years. You've met somebody and somebody introduced you to somebody and that person told you about somebody and that somebody introduced you to somebody and then you saw that somebody at some dinner or you saw them out for a restaurant and they told you about somebody that you needed something happen fixed at your house and you called them because they called you and because that person told them about something. I mean, God's been setting it all up for a year and he might be a refrigerator repairman, but you might be the messenger of God to share Jesus with them. And if we're not constantly, constantly on the lookout to be used, 
we'll miss our moment of opportunity. We'll miss our moment of opportunity. God needs us. He needs us. So ask the Lord to do something through you this year because God needs you. And this is the second thing. God has, He not only needs you, He's already given you an assignment. You've already been assigned. You've already got an assignment. He's waiting on you. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's read several verses of Scripture here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. Yes, the body has many different parts. Talking about the body of Christ, the local church. Not just one part. If the foot shall say, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Look at verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Who put it? God put you right where He wants you. You are on an assignment. God has put you just where He wants you. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet. The head can't say to the feet. The head can't say to the feet. Who's the head? Who's the head of the body? Jesus. And notice what it says. The head can't say to the feet. Jesus can't say to the feet. He can't say to you, I don't need you. Think about that. He needs you. Ask Him to do something new through you this year. Why? Because He needs you. The head can't say to the feet, Jesus can't say to you, I don't need you. I'm sovereign. I can do anything I want to. He knows that's not true. He can't say that He doesn't need you. He does need you. Verse 22. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that, such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. For if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You're a member of the body of Christ. You've been assigned. He's put you where He wants you. Each part has a function. But our part, verse 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. Then turn over to Romans, the book of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. He's talking about the local church. We have many parts and we belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us differing gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. 
If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Everybody's got a gift. Everybody's got an assignment. Everybody is a part. And that part is but you've been placed in the body as it pleased God. And he's gifted you to be able to do this. I'm, I, just, I, I was reading that and I looked here at Bobby Chambers and I, and I... And what's his, his gift? He blessed our church. Him and his wife blessed our church several months ago with this 12-foot-long, beautiful table, wooden table that he built with rollers on it. And we use it four or five times a week. Four or five times a week in every group. And we have it for our fellowship hall. And it's the longest. It's, it's perfect. And we use it for serving table. Every group that comes in, every group that uses our facility, want to, where'd you get that table? Where'd you get that table? Where'd you get that table? And I'll tell them, God built it. Oh, so you can't go buy it? I said, no, you get, well, you can buy it from me. He'll, he'll charge you. He didn't charge us. He blessed the church. But he used his gift that's been a blessing to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You don't want me building you a table. You put a paper plate with a piece of lemon icebox pie on it, number one, the pie will never make it to the table. The paper plate will break the table. That's how bad my building uh, abilities are. But he used his gifts. He used his gifts to be a blessing. God has put everybody in the body as it pleased him. Don't say, well, I'm, I'm, I've paid my dues. There's nothing for me to do. That's not in there. And I'm going to tell you what I've looked. I looked for it again this week. Notice he mentions the head, the ear, the nose, the, the eye. He didn't mention the posterior. He didn't mention anybody's body. Nobody has the gift of sitting in the body of Christ. Nobody has the gift of sitting because the fields are white under harvest. He needs you. You have an assignment. Well, Pastor, what, how do I know what my assignment is? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? Which is point number three. God directs you and he informs you of your assignment. Everybody has something to do. Serving, serving, serving. That's the biggest one. Just serve. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. Well, how do I know where to serve? And how do I know what to do? And how, how do I know? Go back to our scripture we read at the beginning. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, for it is God who works, where? In you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. The New Living Translation says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I like to say it this way. The Holy Spirit directs us with the desire. And He will empower us to fulfill that desire, but we must step out and begin by faith. 
Have you ever, have you ever been in church or talked to somebody and you hear of a need in the church? You hear of somewhere where they need help? You hear of somewhere that there's an apartment or a ministry that could use some help? And just something on the inside of you says, oh yeah, they... They need the help. They need to, and most of us, what we do, we just say, "Boy, I hope they get help." But that desire to help, that desire for their need to have that help fulfilled, is often God saying to us, "Give some time and get it done. Give some time and get it done." You know, I've had people say to me, "Well, I know if God would want me to do it." If something on the outside happens, if they come up to me and ask me to help them, I know God's directing me. That's not what he says he does. It. He says it's God working in you with a desire. With a desire. Both to will, the will, you have a desire. You have a desire. It's your will. You want to do it. You have the want to on the end. I'd, I'd like to do that. I'd like to do that. And to do of his good pleasure. It begins with a desire. Have you sat there or you've been talking to someone and you hear there's a need and there's a desire? Boy, I, you know, I need to help. Something, but you just sit on it. It begins with that desire. That desire. Turn with me. I'll close with this one. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. The Lord's talking here. Very familiar, very, very powerful verse of Scripture. Look what he says. Come... Let us settle the matter, the Lord says. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. For it is God in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. He puts the desire. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Notice there's two qualifications to eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. There have been times that I've been willing, but I hadn't been obedient. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what that's called? Good intentions. Going to get around to it. Anybody know what that round to it is all about? Oh, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to do, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah, I'm going to, but you never do it. See, you're willing, but you're not obedient. And just being willing doesn't allow you to eat the good of the land. And then there's other people. I've done this one. You're obedient, but you're not willing. Well, I'm going to do it. But I don't want to. I'm going to help you out, but it's the last thing I'm ever going to do for you. I'm doing it, but I'm dragging my feet the whole time. See, you're obedient, but you're not willing. In fact, the word of the Lord came first service that there was somebody in that service that was obedient to move into this city, but you've been complaining about having to be here ever since you've been here, and it's made it tough on you. You were obedient, but they were not willing. See, I know about that. Amanda and I know about that. 
We didn't want to come here. We didn't want to come to Murfreesboro. We didn't want to come. I didn't like Murfreesboro. They beat us in high school football championships every year in Cookville. I didn't like them. A bunch of cheaters. Riverdale High School ranking a bunch of cheaters. I didn't like them. MTSU beat Tennessee. A bunch of cheaters. I didn't like them. I was like, when God told me to come here, I was like, uh, uh, I was like, uh, what's his name? Jonah and Nineveh. Let them burn. <laughs> and I finally came. But the first two years, I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. In fact, the first Sunday I preached here was August of 2009. We were in the old building. I was just filling in for one Sunday. Had no intention. I remember Amanda and I came and preached, and, and we drove home at Sunday afternoon, and I looked at her and I said, Boy, I'm glad we ain't going to be the pastor there. God, who would want to be a pastor there? <laughs> Willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If I hadn't have been obedient, I wouldn't have been able to be in the same town where my daughter graduated in university. If I hadn't have been obedient and willing, my daughter, who owns entrepreneur and owns businesses now, I, we, that would have never happened. See, sometimes the Lord leads you, and you can't see the end from the beginning. Our job is just to be willing and obedient. I didn't want to leave my church. I was pastoring for 20 years to go be district superintendent. In fact, when they asked me to be district superintendent and elected me to that position, my acceptance speech, I got up there and this was the first words I said, you have ruined my life. I don't want to do this, but I know I'm supposed to. I was obedient, but I wasn't willing. But if I hadn't have gone, my daughter would not have met her husband. See, the Lord knows the end from the beginning. And we've got, there are times you have to trust Him. All He's asking you to do is follow the desire, be willing and obedient. And here's something that a lot of us miss. We don't, we have a desire, but we don't launch into our assignment or our calling or that which God wants us to do, or our serving, or our giving, or whatever. We don't launch into We have a desire, but we don't launch into it because we say, well, I don't know how to, or I don't have time to, or I haven't been trained to do that. Or We come up with all kinds of excuses. But you must remember, it's God in you both to will and do. And what a lot of us don't realize is when we when we'll embrace that desire and then take that step to do it, even though we don't know how to do it or know how to figure it, figure, have it all figured out, if we'll take that step by faith to do it, He will come along beside us and empower us to get it done. See, most people never get into the supernatural ability of God because they try to accomplish everything in their own strength. And when God tells you to do something and you say, well, I don't have the resources or the knowledge or the education or I don't have the ability to do all that, but you've told me to do it and you, I'm going to step out here by faith and start, he's under the gun then. God's responsible to empower you. Amen. Amen. 
And he who began a good work in you will do what? He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You've got to be willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. Well, you know, some of you, this is the word of the Lord. Some of you, the Lord has told you to share, to witness to somebody at work. And you have a desire to, because you love them and you want to see them saved and their life's in a mess, but you're, you don't know how. You, you're, you don't know how. You don't know how. God put that desire in you. Now, if you'll take a step of faith, He'll empower you to do it. You say one word, He'll give you number two. You say the third word, he'll give you number four. And before long, you'll start hearing yourself say things about the goodness of God and witnesses in ways you've never learned. For it's God in you both to will and do of his good pleasure. God needs you. He's already given you an assignment. And he's putting in your heart a desire. And now he needs you to step out and be willing and obedient. Be willing and obedient. Everybody with me? Stand with me, would you?